Welcome to the Muso Church Podcast. Here, we share the powerful and practical gospel of Jesus Christ until everyone is free and flourishing. We're so excited that you're here. Wherever you're listening from, we are trusting and believing that God is going to touch your life through this podcast. All right, let me try to lend the sermon in the next 30 minutes. We are on our fourth week of our uh, series, The Stewards of, of Grace. And this is how do we as a people share the grace of God with the community around us. But then I realize as I'm studying and I'm just going through this and just preaching the sermons and say, one of the challenges we are struggling to steward the grace of God well is because we don't understand the grace of God. We don't understand it and that's why we are poorly, uh, that's why we are poor in communicating the grace of God or stewarding the grace of God to the people that are around us. Uh, so we have based this series on the book of Galatians and I've asked you to please read the book of Galatians. Uh, so this week we're going, we're looking through Galatians 3. I was hoping that by now we'll be in Galatians 5. But uh, it doesn't look like we're going, to, we're going to get there because we have a long way to go. The book of Galatians is written by an apostle called Paul. And Apostle Paul was not part of the original 12 apostles that were identified by Jesus. Apostle Paul is the apostle who was struck uh, on his way to Damascus uh, in Acts. And then he fell and he was blind for a few days and God revealed to himself, he is the apostle, that Jesus appeared to himself and said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? Now, he is writing a letter to the churches within the region of Galatia. The churches in the region of Galatia is what we know today as modern day, as modern day Turkey. And these are the people that he shared the gospel with. Uh, these people were called Gentiles. So if you, if you are familiar with church, probably you have heard a statement, therefore there is no Jews, no Gentile. So what does that mean? That means there is a nation that God chose for himself, and that is the Jewish nation. And they believed for a very long time that they are the ones who are the rightful heirs of the promises of God according to the lineage or the descendancy of Abraham. They believe that we are the descendants of Abraham and because we are the descendants of Abraham we are the chosen people. We are the special people. We are the Jewish nation. And then those were the people that believe that they are the people of God. And then Paul comes and says, no, that is not the entire truth. In Jesus Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile. All of us now are a nation or a people of God. Jesus Christ has become an equalizer. We are all equal before God because of what Jesus Christ has done, both the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, you must understand that the Jews were, 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 were rule-keeping Jews. They are the kind of people that followed the Torah by 12 years old. Their male sons had to know the Torah by head. So there were people that were, they were in the synagogue. You'd find them in the synagogue. You'd find them reading the Torah, following the laws and everything as best as they could. These are the people that were doing sacrifices and all kinds of those interesting things. So they were the religious people of the time. And then the Gentiles were people that in Ephesians 4, Paul describes them as such. He says, they are hopelessly confused people. Gentiles are people that loved sin. They didn't fall into sin. They roll in sin. It was not an occasional thing they did. It was, it was something they enjoyed. They were indulging. They were not falling into sin. It was, when you say fall, they'll say, don't insult me. I didn't fall. I'm resting in sin. I am enjoying myself. There were those kinds of people. There were people that actually the Bible says in Ephesians 4, they had hardened their hearts towards God. God and their mind was closed to God. They didn't want to hear anything about God. But not only that was not their only problem. Their, only, their other problem is that they were told by Jews that they are not a people of God. They were told that they are rejected, they are degenerates, they are marginalized, they can never be acceptable to God. 
They were told that there is nothing that they can do to receive the promises that God gave through Abraham. So they had lived that life knowing that, ah, you know what? There is no hope for us. Let's just live this life. I mean, if you were told that there's no way you can be right with God, I would also be hopelessly confused. I would also close my God, my heart towards God. I would also just enjoy sin because, I mean, there's no difference. There's no point. What's the point? So that's what they were told. Until Paul says in Ephesians, in Galatians 1, he says, God raised me to go and preach the gospel particularly to the Gentiles. Until a man in the name Paul came to them and said, guys, what you have been told all this time is not true. In Jesus Christ, you also have access. It is not just the Jewish people who have access. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and accept him and repent of your sin, you are also included. All you have got to do is repent of your sin and accept Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. Surrender your life to him as your Lord and your Savior. And you also have access to God and all of the promises that he made to the Jewish people. What? We are in? Imagine there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a private party. A prestigious private party. Where they say no, eh, Luna Mazul. heaven because it's What what? They say you are not going anywhere. They say I. Baba, gengi ya kuzuli natal, isali kuzuli natal, aningeni. And they say that, and then someone comes and says, "Barli, le ratanto too much, le le nalingani, le 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 driver di taxi rough." You know, they 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 tell you all these things. It says, "Lina vele, you are alikin, you are not going in, and there's nothing you can do actually to come in." And then someone says, "You know what?" There is someone who has taken upon himself all the wrong things that they have labeled you with. And he took it upon himself. And as a result of that, now you have access. Those are good news. That's what we mean when we say the gospel. The gospel is the good news. That would be good news. Now imagine, hey, which one is it? Amazul. So imagine Amazul. They are excited. Hey, we are going, we're going in. We are going in. We are going in. And just as they get to the door, we say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you come in, you also need to satisfy this set of rules. And they're like, no, man. They said to us, it was, it, it, this, that guy paid it all. We can come in. We're like, no. Yes, he has paid it all. But in addition to that, you need to eat him. And they're like, okay. Imagine the disappointment. Imagine... Imagine the disappointment. Imagine the heartbreak. Imagine, man, we thought we were in. We thought we made it. But they say, no, that was the first level. You also need to do one, two, three. Yes. So what happened is that Paul said to the Gentiles, guys, you are saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Then the Jewish leaders come to them and say, yeah, 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 but that's not the whole story. You are saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. But in addition to that, you need to keep the laws of Moses. You need to be circumcised and eat certain foods. No, but this is, this is not all. How, how, how? 
And then Paul, in, in Acts 14, he comes with Barandas bus and they go. They say, okay, fine. We see there's a dispute between us and you, the, Jew, the Jewish people. Let us go to the original uh, uh, apostles, the, the original 12. Well, the one was dead and they appointed another one. So let's go now to the original 12 and ask them about this issue. If we also need to keep the law. And they go to Apostle Peter, and Apostle Peter says to them in Acts 15, yes, in Acts 15, Apostle Peter says to them, guys, why are you doing this? Why are you asking these guys to satisfy a set of rules that ourselves as Jews and our forefathers could not satisfy? Why are you doing this to people? We know that we were saved not because we kept a set of rules, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now why are you putting a barrier for other people to also come? Because guys, the Jewish people, their problem was not salvation. It was nationalistic. They wanted to be special people. And they said, it is not enough that you are saved by Jesus Christ. You also need to behave like us. It was a status thing. It was a nationalistic agenda. And they knew that the Gentiles would not be able to keep the rules. They knew that these ones will not be able to keep the laws. Because they knew that themselves have failed to keep the laws. So they were trying to, 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 to create a situation where salvation is exclusive to a certain group of people. How many of us, we have set our good behavior as barrier to entry for other people to come in? You cannot come to church if you are not dressed like one, two, three, four. You cannot preach if you are not like this. If you cannot preach, if you are not like this gender, you cannot, you, ca- you, cannot, you cannot go to the altar if you are not one, two, three, four, five. You cannot join our group if you are not one, two, three, four, five. So, and the person says, I thought being saved was enough. They're like, yeah, but also you must act like us. And then people are like, then that means we can never be saved. There is no salvation for us then people feel like they are doomed. Our worst days are never so bad that we are beyond the reach of God's grace. And our best days, they are never so good that we are beyond the need for God's grace. There's no point where you are so bad that the grace of God cannot reach you. There's no point where you are so good that the grace of God, you don't need it. We have three types of believers. We have the Pharisee type of a believer. We have the guilt-laden kind of a believer. And then we have the grace-bound kind of a believer. The Pharisee type of a believer is one who unconsciously believes that they have earned the grace of God because of their good behavior. And then they get the guilt-laden type of believer is the one who's convinced that they have forfeited the goodness of God because of their lack of discipline and disobedience. And then there's a third kind of a a believer who believes that there is no bad act that can disqualify them from the grace of God. To the same extent, there is no good act that can qualify them for the grace of God. It is God's free gift of salvation because of or through his son, Jesus Christ. And in response, this grace believer, once in response, he wants to live a life that pleases God. And he also knows that he does not have to do it on his own or her own. He has the Holy Spirit to help them live this kind of a life. The grace-bound believer is the one who who says the theme song of their their life is that nothing in my hands I bring. It's a a hymn. It's an old hymn. I love it. It says, nothing in my hands I bring, but I cling to the cross. Someone who says, there's nothing I can bring to you, God, that shows how good I am. The only thing I can do is cling to the cross. The challenge, however, is that within us, oftentimes, there is either one of the first two believers 
Oftentimes, both are in existence in our lives. On our good days, we believe that we have earned the goodness of God. On our bad days, we believe that we have lost it. We have now slipped back into a life of a performance-based relationship with God. How many of you, on a week where you have told a lie, you don't think you are worthy to lead intercession? The problem is you thought when you did not tell a lie you were worthy. You were not. You thought, you're like, oh no, you know, this week I was not, I was not a, a good Christian, so I'm not going to lead worship. You were never a good Christian to start with. Even on your best days, you don't deserve to lift up your, uh, your hands and worship God unless you are lifting them in reliance to Jesus Christ and say, because of what he has done, I can lift up my hands. It is not my good behavior. It is not my good behavior, not on a single day. A good behavior is not good enough. My bad behavior is not bad enough. That's why Paul is so angry. Guys, Paul was very angry. When he wrote Galatians, in Galatians 1, he's cursing people. He's saying anyone who's preaching another gospel, not that it is another gospel. He says, I'm just calling it another gospel for argument's sake. It's not even a gospel at all. He says anyone who preaches another gospel, let that person be accused. Let that person be cursed. And he even goes further to say, if that person preaches that you need Jesus Christ and other things to be saved, let that person be accused. Let that person be cursed. Even if it's me, even if it's angel, let all of us be cursed. He's including himself. He's saying, God, if what I'm preaching is heresy, curse me. That's how committed he was. That's how angry he was. To a point where you must understand that Peter, and I said this last week, Peter was high ranking to him. But when Peter was preaching heresy, he rebuked him in front of everyone. That's how Peter, this guy was angry. But now listen, Galatians 3 verse 1, now is the apex of the anger. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? So it means if you believe that you need Jesus Christ and a set of rules to be saved, you are a foolish person. You are mad. Your head is not functional. He says, you are like a person who has been bewitched. If you believe that there's something you can do to aid the spirit of God in your salvation. He says, you are foolish. You see, these days, uh, as pastors, we are soft. We, 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 we. We, we, you know, we're like, no, it's okay, Mzalwani, you know, it's going to be okay. Paul is like, hey, yeah, yeah, listen here. You are being foolish and you are acting like people who have been bewitched. And listen to what he says. This is the reason. He says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as being crucified. You saw him being crucified. And what does the crucifixion represent? What is Paul saying to them? He's saying to them, before your very eyes, a perfect sacrifice for your sin was offered. He says, before your very eyes, victory over death was declared. Before your very eyes, new life upon Jesus, the new life of Jesus Christ was declared upon you. Before your very eyes, the atonement was of sin was pronounced on your life. Before your very eyes, the elimination of the power, the guilt, and the shame of sin was done. Before your very eyes, you were declared no longer slaves but sons you saw these things happen you saw them happen and they says they happened only because of what Jesus Christ has done it was not your good behavior it was not your perfect morals and surely it was not the law of Moses who has bewitched you now that you have forgotten who has bewitched you that now you want to set rules for other people to jump hoops before they can be saved. 
Hey. Ah, this one is, it doesn't look like it's saved. What, 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 what does that look like? Explain to us. You need to, sometimes you need to, you need to explain to us. Or what exactly do you mean? Right? Paul's annoyance is probably because not only did the Galatians or the, the Gentiles hear the gospel, but they were overjoyed when they heard the gospel. Now these people were happy to hear the gospel. Now you're messed up with them. That's why in Galatians 4, 4, he says, when you welcomed me, uh, he says, you welcomed me as if I was an angel, as if I was Christ himself. Because he was telling them the good news. And they were like, oh my goodness. They were lifting him up because what they were hearing was good news. That's how people responded to the good news. Today, when we preach the good news, you don't come to our church. You go to the church where they preach prosperity. Today, the gospel is no longer exciting to us. We're excited about it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Get ready, get ready, get ready. It is coming. I see a door opening for you. I see you walking through the door this coming week. Ha, ha, ha. Declare it, declare it, declare it. I sense a 500 rents anointing. Someone must come and just place 500 rents here. Your doors are opening this week. Come on, somebody. The, those ones you love, Monat. Yeah, go deeper, man of God. Go deeper, man of God. But when we say to you, you were a sinner in need of a savior. And you don't need to need that savior too long because the savior has come. And he took your sins on the cross. And now you are completely saved. And he is demanding out of you a life that is pleasing to him. But he's not just demanding out of you. He has empowered you with his spirit that will help you to live that kind of life. You don't have to do it by yourself. We should be excited to hear that. But because it is not me-centered, it's Christ-centered, it does not excite us. The Bible says when he preached the gospel, they treated him as if he was an angel. He says, guys, you were excited today. The same gospel you were excited for is no longer enough. You were so excited today. Guys, they, the people took off their truth. They bought bulls. They bought things to sacrifice to Paul. Because of the news that he told them. They were like, oh man, what you're telling us is good news. But then someone came and corrupted, corrupted them. Listen to what, to what Paul says in, 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 in verses 2. He says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. You know, guys, when someone says, I, I just want to ask you one question. You know it's going down. Yeah. If you're arguing with your wife, and then she says, you know what, it's okay. Like, you're talking, 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 she says, it's fine. Just answer this one question. <laughs> Abort mission, my brother. <laughs> Shut down the conversation. <laughs> Accept defeat. <laughs> Say to her, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm the one who's always says, no, 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 it's fine. I just want to ask you this one question. He says, uh-uh. Because my brother, she has evidence. <laughs> Listen, when she's come, it's like, says, yeah, it's fine. Just, just answer this one question. <laughs> There's no answer you're going to give. That is right. It's like a catch 22. There's no running. Paul says, guys, I just have one question to ask you. Did you receive the Spirit of God by keeping the law? Or did you receive it by what you heard? He says, remember you were broken, you were messed up, you were broke, you were all these things. Did you receive the Spirit of God because you were keeping the law? Or did you receive it because of what you heard? They know they didn't keep the, the, the law. They couldn't keep the law. They were hopelessly lustful people. They know for sure. The only, there's only one answer, in fact, here. And he says, I have one question. 
It says, how did you receive the Spirit? What does Paul mean by saying you receive the Spirit by believing what you heard? He is reiterating Romans 10, 17, where he says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Meaning that when people hear the gospel, they put their faith in Jesus Christ and surrender their lives to him as the guarantor of their salvation. What is a guarantor? It is a person or an entity that agrees to be responsible for another person's debt. And when we are saved by Christ as your Lord and your Savior, according to Romans 8 verses 9, you, will, you are no longer in the flesh but in the Spirit. And if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not in him. What Paul is saying says, when you will hear the gospel and receive it, you are saved. And when you are saved, you receive the Spirit of God. So it means everyone who is saved has the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God cannot coexist inside of you with generational curses. Some of us, we are fighting patterns as if they are demons. We are not struggling with demons, we are struggling with patterns. We're not struggling with generational curses, we are struggling with generational patterns. The curse has been broken. It is now through deliverance and good teaching that you need to unlearn the patterns. You are not demon-possessed. You have just learned the patterns throughout your family. In your family, they were drinking, and there's a person, there's a pattern you learned, and we need to teach you and deliver you out of that. It is the curse has been broken. The curse has been broken because in Ephesians 3, the Bible says, the one who hangs on the cross is cursed. What does that mean? It means on the cross, Christ became a curse. He took upon himself all of the curses and he went with them to the grave and he destroyed them and came back victorious. So what kind of curse do you still have? What kind of curse do you still have? It's not me, it's the gospel. It is the gospel and listen to what the Bible says. Let me correct you just fast, two minutes. Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Bazaran, here, we're not talking about cars and promotions. When you quote this scripture, we're not talking about mushato, mujolo, or no. Faith comes by hearing. Oh, that's not what we're talking about. This scripture is talking about faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Not yeah, you just have faith. Ha, listen to my word. For faith comes by hearing. No, my brother. What we are talking about here is we are talking about putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That is the faith that we are talking about. That's why even here, Paul goes down further in the same scripture. He says, for the righteous shall live by faith. It is not talking about the faith of the master seed. If you can say a word and the mountain shall be cast into the sea. That's not the faith we are talking about. It's not talking about the faith that is a substance of things unseen and the evidence. No, he's talking about the faith of putting in Christ so that you can be saved. That's the faith he's talking about. Someone who doesn't have a job, and then we come to them and say, the righteous shall live by faith. I win. Stop, 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 stop. Uh -uh. Cut, cut, cut. That's not what that scripture is talking about. That scripture is saying, can you live by keeping the law, or can you live by having faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That is the faith this scripture is talking about. Faith comes by hearing. It's not when you hear a word that springs up something in your spirit and then your faith is strengthened, then you can believe the promotion is coming. No. Do you realize that we've been teaching you things that are not, that are not right? Because, guys, there is the, the, the Hebrews 11 kind of faith. 
which is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's true. But here, the righteous shall live by faith. It's not that one. This one is putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Faith cometh by hearing. It's not that one. This one is that when you hear the gospel, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. My time. Yeah, it, read, read Romans 10, Bazalwan. If, if you don't believe me, go ahead. Go and read it. It's there. I give you, you have your Bible again? In your phone? Go and read. Read it on all the translations you want. And come back to me. We can bet now, now. There is a very popular uh, 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 by St. Francis quote that says, preach the gospel always. And only when necessary. Use words. It's not good. Hell and now. Ha! This is evil. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not good. It's, it's not. <laughs> ha! How do you preach the gospel if you are not using words? Tell me, show me, someone tell me. How do you preach the gospel? How? You know why? Because, because okay, let, let's talk about this poor quote. This guy, this is my assumption of what he is trying to say. He's saying, don't just talk about the Christian life. Live out the Christian life so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And it's in keeping with Matthew 5, right? Which is good. But that's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. <laughs> Guys, because what this quote is saying, it says, behave so well that people will see the gospel. How? Show me a behavior that preaches the gospel. Show me a behavior. Show me how with your behavior you are going to say to someone your sins have been atoned for. Christ has died for you and he is risen and he is an intercessor on your behalf. How? How? Because, guys, if, because this scripture is saying you must be kind, you must be loving, you must be generous, you must be all these things. Those things are good. They are not the gospel. Otherwise, in Muslim countries, all of them will be Christians because they are better behaved than us. Our good behavior is not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he died on the cross to atone for our sins. How do you behave that? Because sometimes our good morals are a bad sermon. Because as opposed to encouraging people to accept Jesus Christ, they discourage them. They're like, I will never be like that. They look at you with your wonderful behavior and they say, me, I'll never be like that. So let me just give up. Live a Christian life and when necessary, explain it. That's a better quote. Not the gospel. Not the gospel, Bazalwan, because what is the gospel? Because maybe we need to start there. The gospel, guys, it is telling people about the birth, about the death, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the implication it has on a person's life, both eternal and for both uh, 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 here and eternally. That is what the gospel is about. The gospel is coming to someone and saying to them, according to Romans, all of us have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And because God is just, we deserved punishment. Me and you were going to get punishment. And you could only accept one payment for punishment is death. So we were supposed to die. That's why Romans say the wages of sin is death. 
That's the bad news. And when you are done saying that, he says, but that's not the whole story. The whole story is that he then gave his only son while you were still saved, before you even changed your ways. He gave his only son to come and die for us. And what did he do in dying? He took away the power, the shame, the guilt, and the punishment of sin. And that was not all. What he then did is that after he paid your debt, he credited your account with his righteousness. Now you are called the righteousness of God. That is the gospel. How do you preach that without words? You can preach good behavior, not the gospel. And it's an excuse because you don't want to evangelize. No, I'm preaching the gospel. <laughs> what when you're doing what? Huh? The gospel is not good behavior. The gospel is not perfect morals. Guys, we are digging up a lot of rubbish that we have taught over the years. Tell people about Jesus. The Bible says, and people are hopeless. But how can they find hope if they do not know the one who gives hope? But how can they know about the one who gives hope if no one tells them? But how can anyone tell them unless someone is sent? We're not sent to go and exhibit good behavior. We are sent to go and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Tell people that there's hope. Tell people that there's hope in Jesus Christ. Tell people that they do not have to be punished for their sins. Tell people that they don't have to be perfect for them to be saved. Tell people that a sacrifice was paid on their behalf. Tell people that the power of sin has been eliminated by Jesus Christ. Tell people that they don't have to live in the shame of their sins. Tell people that they don't have to live with the guilt of their sins. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, tell people the good news. Tell people the good news. And then live out a Christian life. A Christian life we must live. Hear me and hear me well. I'm not saying we should not live a Christian life. But even the Christian life we cannot live on our own. We can only live it by the help of the Holy Spirit. That is the good news. Preach the gospel always. And sometimes use words. Are you on Teo Bazalan? Tell people the good news. Because you know what? You're doing finder finder with the gospel. You're like, I'm gonna act good and hope that someone will catch on to my actions. If your actions, if your behavior is the gospel, what happens when you fall into sin? You must be able to say to someone, man. I'm also depending on the Holy Spirit to help me to live this Christian life. Not that I have it all together. Paul says, not I have already, not that I've already achieved. Not that I've already attained it. But I, I run. I press on. With the Holy Spirit helping me. Before the Holy Spirit helps you with your test and your, all the stuff that you're asking him to help you with. The Bible says, umshatu and all those things. The Bible says, he has come. He says, I'll leave you with the Holy Spirit and he will reveal all things true within you. 
he will, he will reveal the righteousness that Christ has put in you and make you understand what does it mean that you are righteous. That's the Holy Spirit walking a journey with you. Hey, man, if I was a sinner and listening to this, I was going like, this is good. Like, me? Like, yeah, you. This is for you. It's a gift. It's a free gift. You know when you say free gift, is in English what they call? Ah, Kunji, what's the word? Free gift because a gift is already free. So when you say free gift, you're saying the same thing. Aha. Uh-huh. Ah, it's not oxymoron, I, man. <laughs> so, the Bible keeps on talking about free gift, free gift, free gift. God is trying to, to, to just emphasize how free this gift is. Aha, uh-huh. you see, go to school, Bazaran. <laughs> It says it's a gift. A gift is free. It says this free gift is free. Can I have two people on stage? Ah, look at the time. It says this. Yes, come, Mr. Zbu, come. Come here. It says this gift is free. But it was not without a cost. It's free. Because if I give you right now and say, here's my phone, it's a gift, it didn't mean it didn't cost me. Because sometimes when he says a free gift, we think God says he got it free somewhere. No, he paid for it. And he's giving it to you freely. It cost him his son. It's free, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. But it's free. So now, where's my wife? She, she's free. Sorry. You are free in Christ. I mean, you are free in Christ. <laughs> Pray for me. I get too excited when I'm on this stage. I forget that I need to go home. <laughs> when, a child, when a child is born, they are the most selfish creation you'll find. It's the nature of human beings. We are self-serving at the core of our being. We are selfish. That's why the gospel calls us to die to ourselves. Because at the core of our being, we are very selfish. We're self-centered and self-serving. And you must understand, self-centeredness and self-service leads to idolatry. And then we start idolizing ourselves. We start idolizing ourselves. We place our needs, our wants, our desires, our truth above the truth of God. Before, above the desires and the, the, the wants of God. It's about me, 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 me. That's why now, in our generation, it's about my truth, my what, what, my, it's my, 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 it's selfie, selfie, selfie all the time. It's, it's at the core of our being, we are self-centered. And because we are self-centered, we are self-idolizing. And what is then, the, the, what we do as a self-idolizing person, then we are greedy. And we are greedy. Then we are lustful. Then we are lustful. And if you are greedy and you are lustful, you want everything. It's me, me, me. Everything for myself. Your ear is coming off. You know? <laughs> it's me, 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 me. Guys, if you are self-serving, it is only a matter of time before you fall into sin. Yeah. You know why? Because anything that does not serve God is sin. Yeah. 
Because we're self-serving. We soon fall into sin. And the Bible is clear. The wages of sin is death. While you thought you were just satisfying me, 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 you were not aware that you are on your way to death. While you thought, no man, I'm just satisfying myself, you were not knowing that you are on a suicide mission. That thing, you ate it, but it was poisoned, it was suicide. You enjoyed the moment, but it was suicidal. On a suicide mission. Self-centeredness and idolatry is a suicide mission. The prayer of your heart is say, God, deal with my self-centeredness. But guys, that's the only thing that deals with self-centeredness. It is the gospel. Because it says you did nothing. And the reason we're struggling with the gospel is because we want to say we did something. We, we want to say, but I, I, I played a role. It's, a, it's how idolatrous we are. We want to say, but I, 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 I behaved myself. Give me credit for that. I don't tell lies. Come on, give me credit for that. I don't sleep around. Give me credit for that. He says, your credit will never be enough to get you into heaven. Even if we can give you all the credit in the world. Death. I, if death was the end, it would be better. Unfortunately, death is not even the end. There's something that awaits us beyond death. It is the wrath of God. It is the wrath of God. Guys, if all we were going to get was death, it would be better. Because we know that when we die, then it's the end. When you die, it's the end of an opportunity to turn around. And the beginning of agony. And this was us. And then God says, but I'm a just God. There's no other way. This is what you must get. The only thing that can satisfy all of this is death. So, so because I'm a loving, I'm a just and a loving God. It's not going to be your death. It'll be the death of my son. While you were still sinners, and here, God demonstrated his love. He demonstrated his love. And he comes and says, you know what? I love you. So I'm covering all of this mess with my love. My love will intervene while you still have all of it hanging on you. While you still have all of it hanging on you, I've come to tell you, I love you. And through the death of my son, I've come to declare that when you accept him as your Lord and your Savior and put your faith in him, you are completely forgiven. Amen. At this point, Vazalwan, God would have done enough. At this point, he would have done enough. Say, I love you. And I have forgiven you. It means your debt is cancelled. You owe nothing else. He says, that is just the beginning. He says, on top of that, I accept you. No longer a slave. But now, you are a son. You are accepted. My arms are wide open. Come in. But here's the thing, you can be a son in the house, especially when you are adopted, because the Bible says he has adopted as a son. You can be an adopted son living in the house and still behave like a slave. Yeah. 
You can be a son, loved, forgiven, and accepted, adoption papers paid, every, signed, everything done, but still behaving as a slave. He says, then what am I going to do? I'm going to give you my righteousness. The righteousness of God now is a new identity. It's not just a change of name. It's not just a change of position. It's a change of nature. It's not just that your name has changed. It's not just that your, your sins are paid. It's not just that your credit is settled. It's that now, on top of a credit that is settled, there is a new nature, and it is a God nature that Christ comes and puts on top of us and says, not only do I pay for your sin, but I am crediting to you righteousness. I'm like, my God. And then he's like, now, for you to live this righteous life, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. When this rubbish, the patterns, want to surface, call on the Holy Spirit. Says, Holy Spirit, help me. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. I'm about to go back, help me. I'm about to default, I'm about to help me. And that's why the Bible invites us to pray without ceasing. Because that is conversation with the Holy Spirit. And as you compensate with the Holy Spirit, he reveals the truth. And what, what, what does the Bible say? The truth that is where? Is already in you. Is already in you. And there's someone here who's saying, man, I want in. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that this message has been a blessing to you. Why not be a blessing to someone else by sharing this message with them? Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Goodbye and God bless.